0: So last week I was over in South County Park, It's around 6.30 in the morning, it's still dark, there's nobody else there in the park, and I, I heard a noise. Uh, I've got an audio clip, i want to play this noise for you, see if you can identify what the noise is. Okay, anybody want to make a guess? Well sure, it's a woodpecker. Now this particular woodpecker was... Pecking not on wood or trees, he was pecking on the aluminum bleachers there in the park. Makes a real loud noise. A lot of effort, a lot of work, but not a whole lot of return on investment. He was looking for bugs in all the wrong places. And sometimes we do the same kind of thing. We put a lot of effort and energy and work into searching for love, for spiritual love. But we're really searching in the wrong places. The Bible describes this, uh, Isaiah 55, 2. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Man does not live on bread alone. And that's why we often become addicted, addicted to things like alcohol or other drugs, pornography, or other sexual addictions, gambling, compulsive shopping, eating disorders, binge-watching TV or gaming workaholism, hoarding, greed, and so on and so forth, these are ways to medicate and temporarily escape our pain or to fill a a spiritual hunger in inappropriate ways. There is a better way. And that's what this sermon series is all about, the sermon series on rhythm. If you weren't here, we introduced it last week. And I was talking about, for instance, Paul in his letter to the Romans in chapter 7, Where he writes, I don't understand myself. The things I don't want to do, that's what I wind up doing. The things I want to do, I don't seem to do those things. That's Romans 7. And then Romans 8, he says, however, the mind that is guided by the Spirit is life and peace. And so we said what we want in our lives is less of Romans 7 and more of Romans 8. Less 7, more 8. Remember I had the t-shirt. Less 7 and more 8. We want sin to be an embarrassing exception in our lives and not the humiliating rule so we want to walk in this peace and life and holiness and the way that we do that is to be led by the holy spirit so each sunday each week in this sermon series i'm going to be taking a look at what i call one of the rhythms of the holy spirit how we stay in sync or in tune or in harmony in rhythm with the Holy Spirit. So He is leading us. And the one we're looking at today, the rhythm we're looking at today that we're starting with is the Bible. And it's first for a reason. It is first in priority. All of these rhythms are important and have a direct tie to the Holy Spirit, but reading the Bible. And I'll be up front about my goal in this message. My goal is that every one of us Christians here today We'll read the Bible every day, if we're not already. We'll read the Bible every day. Now, I'm at a disadvantage in the sense that I don't know, with very few exceptions. I don't know who's already doing this and who's not. If we go with the Barna statistics, George Barna has been surveying the church for 50 years and usually dumping on the church. But in any case, he says there's 32% of Christians who read their Bible every day and 68% who don't. So if we just go with that, I'm targeting the 68% who may be here today and don't read their Bible every day. I'm coming for you. Now, if you're in the 32%, just check out. You can take a break. Come back at communion time mentally. But actually, I'm going to try and work a little bit in even for you 32%ers as well. But what I want to talk about today is three reasons why we Christians should be reading the Bible and reading the Bible every day. Reason number one is because the Bible is inspired. The Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean when we say the Bible is inspired? Is it like some beautiful piece of music that we hear and that inspires us, or we, we find some piece of art that's so inspiring? That is not what we mean. So when God was going to reveal truth to an apostle or a prophet, he would reveal it to their mind. All right, now, this would be in the past. There are no apostles or prophets today. But let's just say, for instance, the 12 apostles of Jesus. God's going to reveal to them truth. He revealed it to their minds. We're not exactly sure how all that worked or how all that was done, but truth revealed directly to their minds, and then that prophet or that apostle would convey that revelation to other people, either orally or in a written form. So that means that the revelation of God comes to us mediated by, through human agents. It's mediated, often bears the stamp of a personality, of whoever's writing, for instance. But how do we know that, that what we're receiving from that apostle or that prophet is exactly what God revealed to their mind, that they did not omit something or forget something or accidentally add something? Well, that is the role of inspiration. Inspiration. The Holy Spirit inspires the apostle or a prophet in such a way that the truth that was revealed to them is conveyed or written down exactly as they received it from God. Theologian Jack Cottrell defines inspiration this way. Inspiration is the supernatural influence exerted by the Holy Spirit upon prophets and apostles which enabled them to communicate without error or omission those truths received through revelation, which God deemed necessary for our salvation and our service. Okay, so this is the role of the Holy Spirit, inspiration. This is the claim the Bible makes for itself in both the Old Testaments and the New Testament. Old Testament and New Testament. I'm going to put some scriptures before you. 2 Samuel 23, 2. This is David speaking. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. That's a claim of inspiration. We'll go quickly through the rest of these. Acts 1.16, the Scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David. 2 Peter 1.21, prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I could fill the rest of my time with these kinds of quotes. Those apply to the Old Testament. Now some for the New Testament. Jesus said to his 12 apostles, John 16, 13, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. That was not said to you or to me. That was said to the apostles. This is the role of the Holy Spirit to the apostles. 1 Corinthians 2:13. Paul is writing and he's speaking about what he and the other apostles wrote. He said, we're communicating truth not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths and spiritual words. And the grand statement in the Bible about all of Scripture and its inspiration is 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now this means everything in the Bible was communicated in such a way under the superintendence of the Holy Spirit so that what was produced comes to us as if it came from the very hand, the heart, the mind, and the mouth of God. The Bible is God's book. It was the project of the Holy Spirit for 1600 years to bring together this collection of 66 books that are revealed to us the thoughts and teachings and commandments of God. The UFOs were in the news last week, weren't they? On Tuesday there were congressional hearings for the first time in 50 years about the UFOs. Now, what if, it, what if this came out in those congressional hearings? Back in 1947 in Roswell, New Mexico, there was actually an interaction with some ETs. And the ETs presented to the military brass a book of all the knowledge that they had accumulated, way beyond our knowledge. Faster than the speed of light, interspace travel. How you can build these spacecraft out of these materials that we know nothing about. And they also said, in this book, we've solved the problems of hunger and poverty and war. All the solutions are right there in the book. We're gifting it to you. Let's say that comes out in the congressional hearings. And a congressman asked the Secretary of the Navy, well, you've had this book from the E.T. ever since 1947. Why haven't you applied those lessons yet? And the Secretary of the Navy says, oh, well, we haven't gotten around to reading the book. How absurd would that be? And yet an extraterrestrial has visited our planet and given us a book. And in that book, Are all the answers to poverty, right, to the poor, to the hungry, all the answers to a renewable source of energy and power for peace, peace of heart, peace in the world. It's all in the book. Are we reading it? Read it because it's divine. Now, here's a second reason to read the Bible is because it is transformative. It's transformative. Romans 12, 2, Paul writes, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You and I need to be transformed. How are we going to be transformed? By renewing our mind. How is our mind going to be renewed? By reading the Bible. You know what a catalytic converter is? Got a lot of car guys in this church. I was amazed at the car show yesterday. How many people came? We got a lot of car guys and gals in this church. So y'all know what a catalytic converter is? I don't. I had to look it up. But a catalytic converter takes the poison out of the emissions that are coming from a car. Basically, that's the way I put it. And God's Word does the same thing. It takes the poison out of our minds, out of our hearts. The things that we've learned in the past that we need to unlearn, that's all got to be cleansed. Our minds have to be transformed. Jesus said to His disciples, John 17, Sanctify them by the truth. Your Word, Your Word, God, is truth. Sanctification. That's it. Theological term, the progressive process of becoming holy, becoming more and more like Christ, incrementally. How does God sanctify us? Through His Word, which is the truth. The Hebrew writer puts it this way. The Word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. It's like God's ginsu knife, that he's getting in there and he's cutting away the sinful cancer. It's like God's laser that comes and removes the cataracts on our eyes and these sinful blind spots. It's the Holy Spirit's primary tool for accomplishing that. It's very difficult for us because we live here in the earthly plane to keep our eyes and our minds on heavenly things. But that's what we're called to do. Let me read you a passage from Colossians chapter 3. It's a little bit long. And as I do so, think of it in terms of reading the Bible. <clears throat> Colossians 3.1. Since you have been raised to life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Put on the new nature... And be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. How are we going to learn to know our Creator and be like Him? We don't know anything about God that we haven't read in the Bible or has taught to us from the Bible. And then let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. We're filling our lives with that message. Gilda Radner in her book, It's Always Something writes about her friend who had a little dog named Dibby. And Dibby was pregnant with puppies but had an accident with the lawnmower and her two hind legs were cut off. Rushed her to the vet. vet said, we can save her. Just sew her up and the puppies will be okay. So that's what they did. So Dibby healed up. And, of course, you know how animals are. They just, no muss, no fuss. They just make do. So Dibby learned how to walk. Two steps forward with her front legs and then flip up her hindquarters. Two steps forward, flip the hindquarters. Dibby gave birth to the puppies, nursed them, weaned them, and when those puppies learned to walk, they all walked like Dibby. <laughs> you know, we've all learned things from our family of origin, as it's called. Many good, maybe some not so good, or from our environment, or from our friends, or from our enemies, or from the culture. And those things that we need to relearn or unlearn. We do that through reading the Bible, reading the Bible. Just like some of you have artificial hips and artificial knees and artificial this and that. And when you get those things, what do you have to do? Go through rehab and learn how to walk all over again. We have to learn how to walk a walk that's worthy of the calling that we have received. We have a new heart, a regenerated heart, a new spirit. We have to learn how to walk worthy of that and in alignment with that. Okay. So... The Bible transforms, the Bible is inspired, and then the third reason, well, we're just talking about reasons to read the Bible, is that the Bible sustains, the Bible sustains. Jesus said in Matthew 4, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And again, give us today our daily bread. Now, I infer from this that we should read the Bible every day. Uh, It's not a command. I'm. I'm infer. I think it's an implication of the Bible, and I infer that we should read the Bible every day. Jesus said, "Give us our this day our daily bread." Mark Moore. Some of you are familiar with that name, if you've been involved with Core 52, he wrote Core 52, and he preaches in Arizona. Mark Moore says, the most powerful, most effective, and most dramatic way to grow spiritually is to engage with the Word of God at least four times a week. That's it. That is the most effective way to grow spiritually, at least four times a week. Jesus seemed frustrated with the believers of God in his day who had not read their Bible. Matthew twelve three, Jesus said, Haven't you read what David did? Twelve 5, Haven't you read in the law? Haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? Have you never read in the Scriptures? Have you not read what God said to you? Haven't you read this passage of Scripture? Wouldn't it be embarrassing for Christ to come back and look at you and me and say, you haven't read? Haven't you read the Bible? Haven't you read this? Haven't you read that? I think embarrassment will be the least of our problems at that time. Paul the Apostle, when he wrote his letters, he understood and stated These are not the words of man. These are the words of God. Very strong claim of inspiration. He expected those letters to be read. Colossians 4.16, Paul says, to the church at Colossae, after this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. 1 Thessalonians 5.27, I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and the sisters. Presumably, there was illiteracy in the church in that day, a lot of slaves in the church. So when they got together on Sunday, they gave over a lot of time to the reading of Scripture. People couldn't read it. They had to hear it. In fact, these may be the only two commands I can find in Scripture to read it. Most of them are listen to it and hear it. Matthew 15.10, Jesus called the crowd to Him and said, Listen and understand. Matthew 11.15, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, we have the technology now to stream the Word of God. Now, that little phone can be our biggest enemy or our greatest friend. If you have a 10 or 15-minute drive to work, right, we can stream the Word of God and in 10 or 15 minutes a day with a reading plan read through the entire Bible every year despite by listening for 10 or 15 minutes. That's what I do. I don't read it. I listen to it every morning. And some of may say, well, you know, I've already done that. I read the Bible. I read the Bible back in 1979. Why do I need to read it again? Well, maybe God has something to say to you today that He couldn't say back in 1979. The old saying is, no man steps into the same river twice. Because the river is different and the man is different. You and I, we're different today than we were five years ago or that we were yesterday. We're going to see something and hear something from the Lord that we weren't ready for before today. And he's got something to say to us today. Now, I know I often feel like a a one-note drummer talking about the one-year Bible. I I like the one-year Bible. Well, let me preface this. Let me defend myself for a minute. You know, in my family, we have two cars. We're rich Americans. Two cars. One for me, one for Tammy. The car she normally, they're both ours, but the the one she normally drives, the one I normally drive. Except every once in a while, we have to switch. That's when Tammy's out of gas, and she says, I'll take your car today because you need to fill up my car. (laughs) Oh, okay, how much gas do you have? Well, I think I've got just enough fumes to make it to the gas station. So we switch cars, and then I gas it up, and we switch back. You know what happens when I get back in my car? Yeah, I bump my head on the car frame, and my knees are jammed up against the steering wheel because I'm 6'1", and she's 5'2". I still haven't got it where it's supposed to be from the last time we did that, and she drove my car. Now, for you 32 percenters who already read the Bible every day, and you've got your own plan, the staff were telling me the other day, One-year Bible, we've moved on to other things with commentaries and this plan and that plan. You've got your seat adjusted just how you like it. That's fine. I'm not trying to mess with that. For the 68 percenters who have not, for whatever reason, established this discipline in your life, this is basic driver's ed. I just talk about a reading plan that works. In driver's ed, you just learn a way to do it, and then afterwards you can get out and you can customize your car and your seat and drive any way you want to. But as we're starting out, if we haven't established this yet, I love the one-year Bible because it is a plan that works, makes it easy. It's divided into 365 daily readings. They're arranged according to the date. I could open it up today, May 22nd. Read from 1 Samuel, read from John, read a psalm, read a proverb, 10 minutes, or I listen to it, like I said. And then reflect and meditate and go on. I do a, I, I do a recorded devotion every day on that day's reading in the one-year Bible called Stevo's Devo. I'll upload it to our church website. If you join our church page, Facebook page, you can watch that if you want to. But it is a way to read the Bible, that works. When a child of God looks at the Word of God and finds the Son of God, he is changed by the Spirit of God into the image of God and for the glory of God. Now, if you come here today and, and every Sunday and you, know, you read the Scriptures that we put up there on the screen and that's your, that's your Bible for the week, that's better than nothing. I'm never going to say anything to detract from that. Kudos to every person who makes an effort to come to church Hear a sermon. I think that's important. I'll probably talk about that on another Sunday. I'm not trying to detract from that. However, having said that, if that's the only scripture you get, that's a starvation diet. How long would any of us last physically if we only ate one meal a week? Not long. And that's the same thing spiritually. We're anorexic spiritually if this is it, if this is all we're getting. So I encourage all of us. Here's my challenge. It's my challenge. Read the Bible every day. Now we're talking about being in rhythm with the Holy Spirit and getting that place where our minds are controlled by the Spirit, so we have life and holiness, abundant life, and tranquility and holiness. The Bible is more than just a, a way to get there, it's also the destination. Because a lot of people can testify to this, could this morning, is when you get to that place where, you know how it's hard to establish a habit, but once that habit is established, you can't do without it. And when you're walking in the park, or when you have your quiet time and solitude, and, and we're reading and reflecting and meditating on the very words of God, and His Spirit is in rhythm, and we're hearing His thoughts and His words, and there's a command to be obeyed, or a doctrine to be learned, or there's a sin to be confessed, some application to make to our lives, that is a moment of peace and tranquility and abundance and holiness. We experience that with God in that moment, and the afterglow takes us through the rest of the day. It's like that's what we're aiming for. It's that peace underneath the water When up above the surface, there's a storm brewing, underneath it's calm and it's peaceful when we're in that closet with the Word of God. It's not just the means to get there, it's the destination. Rhythm. Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, we thank You for this gift, gift that so many generations of believers have never had access to, but we've got it right here at our fingertips and on our phones and on our computers, Lord. We thank You. We thank You for that. We pray, God, that we will take advantage of it feast on it that we may be that we may be in tune and in sync with you and with your heart and that you may transform us into the image of Christ from glory to glory in Jesus name we pray amen